What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Football Podcast, a 2023 season recap edition. Told you guys we would do it, and here we are to recap this crazy season that was, and inevitably a good season because we did make the playoffs, because we did win a playoff game. We gave ourselves a chance against the top seed in the end. We'll talk about the things we liked in this season maybe some dogs of the year and some other stuff um, at the end. And we'll dive into some housekeeping things that have happened around here. There is a lot that has gone on. I'm Nick Malone joined by Noah Lurch and Noah. We'll talk about it when the season stuff gets here. It was definitely one to remember and we'll dive into some tidbits of it, but there's some, like I said, some housekeeping stuff with us uh, as a team right now. We'll talk about the commits a little bit, talk about the portal and we'll talk about around the country. A lot of crazy things have been happening with that as well. A big episode. What's going on? Yeah, a lot of things happening. Obviously, still watching playoffs. It was a good weekend of football, especially starting Friday night with that football game. But a lot of – obviously, we're in full swing with transfer portal stuff, seeing guys leave. But, I mean, right away we get a guy on campus, and a linebacker, and we – He's jumping from D3 to D1. We'll jump into him a little bit and other guys we've offered in the portal. But, I mean, it's it's a fun time of year to track. And, obviously, signing day, the early signing period is coming up quickly. Yeah, and we, we knew we had to do a season recap. That's kind of an annual thing that we would do. We put it off a little bit. We know how quick the process of the offseason comes. So we want to get this over with because we are almost full speed to the off season and we are heavy portal watch and there's tons of people entering and tons of people we're interested in. And yes, those visits and everything else. We will talk about some of those here shortly, but no, let's kick off with some of the headlining stuff. Let's start it with the one and only PJ jewels, according to Craig Haley uh, just a couple of days ago. And the account for the specific thing hasn't posted about him yet. They post about a lot of different players, PJ is headed to the Hula Bowl. We know Bryce Notre played in this just a couple of seasons ago. I have in the past. Uh, but this is great. This is a step four for PJ to play professionally, as we know. And he's the only Saluki that's doing it. We know Dante Cleveland has got an opportunity shortly here out of the season. Uh, this is obviously great for PJ for those NFL aspirations getting on the map. And we tweeted about it saying for him to go show out in Orlando, rep that Saluki on his helmet. Um, and if people want to watch them January 13th, 11 a.m. on CBS Sports Network, people will go there to watch him. Hopefully he makes some plays and he keeps getting, uh, you know, on the map for a lot of things. We know he was on the senior bowl watch list and haven't seen much anything with that recently for uh, the dude who runs that. So we'll, we'll keep an eye out for all that stuff. But uh, definitely want to kick that off with PJ. We'll follow him here in this offseason about what he's doing. Noah, let's jump now to other current players before we dive into others that have left the program there has been two new ones as well dive into where Branson Combs is going into it didn't take him long and you can also because we also heard some news that a, a certain program was in on him and in Carbondale to visit with him but that's not the team he chose Noah who where is Branson Combs going yeah he's taking his challenge through the ACC and playing for Wake Forest I mean that's a a good power five program too. That's had some guys. I mean, Sam Hartman quarterback and got some, had a lot of draft picks on last year's team, but um, I think they struggled a little bit this year, but we also know that uh, we had sources say that he was visiting with Minnesota, um, having lunch with them and 
obviously ends up not choosing them. So pretty crazy. We knew some power five teams would jump overall. And it's pretty, I mean, things are happening quick in the portal. It doesn't take long anymore like it used to. So um, makes a decision and I'm sure he'll get there and next semester he would start there. Yeah, it is a good spot. Any ACC program, any of, of course, Power 5 programs, a good spot. Yeah, we heard he was with uh, Minnesota, and we know they're kind of in a free fall, but it, it's not the first time we've heard uh, big-time programs for either sport come to Carbonell to visit with certain players. But uh, good for Branson, of course. We'll follow him in his last season next year about what he's up to, just like how we followed everybody else. But, of course, he means more to us than even the recent guys that went – Power five this past season. Uh, so good luck to Branson. No, I mentioned two other players that have entered the portal. Zach Gibson inevitably has entered. He posted highlights when he made his post. He did thank SIU. And then he, I think he made some more today. This was, like I said, a kind of an inevitable thing. We loved Zach. We loved his loyalty. We loved his ability. I mean, heck, we mentioned how this year when he got those ops, he was great. And the past, he's made some huge catches, and he's talented. They just never were able to get him on the field, Noah. That's unfortunate. But, again, we kind of saw this coming, and he'd be doing himself a disservice, I think, if he didn't finally do this. And then Noah, uh, Trey Baker, quarterback, just from a couple classes ago that has sat for a while and realized, you know, who they're in on probably in the portal, these emerging guys coming in. I have no future here, and it's actually a good move by him to actually make that. So these are the only – so, again, only four Salukis have been in the portal so far. Two more notable, but, of course, these other guys, especially Zach, of notable as well, and then a young guy in Trey. Now, your thoughts on those? And then go ahead and dive into, as you said earlier, we have already got someone in the portal. And then we'll dive, go ahead and just rent, you know, because there's been a lot that we've been interested in. Go ahead and uh, knock off all those. We'll get our thoughts, and we'll talk about some guys we left out on and some others that stick out in the portal so far. But, uh, like I said, your thoughts on those, and then dive into everything else. Yeah, I mean, seeing Zach go, they just kept felt like he was talented and every spring or spring and fall camp, we heard, all right, this is the breakout guy. And still, I mean, they recruited over him and really never got on the field. So not sure exactly. I mean, it's the right move by him not to stick around anymore. He'll be able to find a place um, to call home and potentially get on the field a lot easier. But sucks seeing him than Trey. Yeah, Trey was the guy that had some tools that everybody thought, all right, two to three years, he'll be the guy to take over. And um, he's not wasting any time to get out of here. I mean, we saw it with Jacob Foss and seen it with so many quarterbacks. I mean, they keep bringing in guys and they're going to have to bring in another guy probably soon. But yeah, seeing those guys goes, it sucks, but um, definitely it happens. Um, then obviously talked about, I mentioned a little bit earlier, teased a little bit earlier, uh, we already have a portal commit. We've had guys on campus visiting, um, but this portal commit is Jaheim Peak. He's a linebacker, 6'1", 220 from John Carroll University. It's a, it's a D3, like I said. He's making that jump up, but you lose a linebacker in the portal, and you instantly already get a guy on campus, and he commits. Um, he spent the last three and a half years. He's an All-American down there. Um He's first team all conference, second team all region. Um, so it's a pretty good, pretty good get. Um, I like for a one year of eligibility, 
see if he can make that jump. Um, he had some pretty good stats there as well. So he had Murray State offer, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, McNeese State. Uh, so other F FCS programs in on this guy um, immediately, but we landed him immediately, and that's good to see starting off because we've gotten some portal, pretty good portal hits at the linebacker position if we think about the last couple of years. But a lot of other guys uh, in and on the portal. I mean, starting with – just start offensively quarterback DJ Williams from Murray state. We all know him has a couple of years of eligibility would love, obviously you and I both think, and a lot of Saluki fans think they need to bring one in to maybe not. I mean, he would probably maybe get the starting job, but at least somebody can come in and compete, even though we're bringing in some pretty good freshmen, Edward Robinson, the third running back from Duquesne, um, Dylan Downing, running back, uh, grad transfer from Purdue. Dom Henry has a lot of eligibility, wide receiver from BYU. Trey Hall, wide receiver from Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Tay Marrero, Jr., uh, Charleston University uh, transfer. Jaden Richardson, 6'2", from Tufts University. He's out of reach. We mentioned him before. Uh, he has he has all Power 5 offers now, so he is out of reach. Probably scratch him off our list. Uh, then we got some linemen. Zach Bowden, he's offensive lineman from Iowa Western Community College, 6'4". Melvin Priestley, 6'4", from Grambling State. He's an East St. Louis kid, so potentially move back home. Uh, Dodge Saucer, 6'5", Iowa Central. Cameron Jones, 6'8", from guy we mentioned before from Cincinnati. August Salvati, defensive end from Kilgore College. Darius Juju Williams, he's a defensive end from Indiana State. We lost out already on Brett Carew. He's a defensive end from Oklahoma Christian University. He's going to Memphis. Uh, today we saw Kendrick Milliford get offered 6'4 DN from Southwestern Oklahoma State. Chisholm Ifani, uh, Shippensburg University grad transfer 6'4. Uh, then some DBs. Patrick Smith Young from North Texas. Jacoby Benjamin, Texas Southern. Shiloh Means from Penn. Uh, Steven Saquon, we went. He offer, offered him today from Iowa Central Community College. And Amante Davis, who's also been visiting U University of Central Oklahoma. So a lot of guys on campus already. Amante, uh, we got Jaheim, and he committed immediately. So hopefully we get more guys on campus and can get them part of this early signing class. Exactly. They're Again, the process is so quick, and they are already going after – uh, sections of the team that we definitely need. We know guy like just being a linebacker with Jaheim that it's Miles Walsh taking the next step of maybe dressing and finding his way to the field. And, you know, guys like that, you know, can find their way to special teams before they, they get going. I did like uh, Jaheim's stats. I mean, you said it, he's all conference. He's, he said he's looking for to get his MBA as well. So he's, you know, coming here for a lot of different reasons outside of just football and everything, but uh, he is talented and just makes you think, of course, um, you know, coming from that level, what it can be like at this level. It's a different ball game, but you know, if, if you're physically gifted and everything and you're coached up the proper way, you can easily make these kind of plays. He was a team captain as well. So I do like this addition. Adding to that room, we talked about, you know, that Jake Perella's of the world who'll be healthy playing that spot, even though he's apparently like outside linebacker that can mix it. This he seems like a middle linebacker Jaheim does, and we know you're losing key guys, of course, but you still have guys that are still on the team and appear to be so. We're just thinking of Dune Smith, who responds to some people that are offered by us or something and says stuff. So 
clearly confident in him returning and Colin Bohannik and Ben Bogle. So we know that room is is awesome. Uh, but adding Jaheim to will be nice, another veteran, which is what we want to add. We know uh, Suge Walker from Murray State likes a lot of stuff that we retweet or some other things that he's an option from Murray to sing about guys we like a lot, that Purdue running back and no doubt DJ Williams. And Noah, you mentioned to me earlier about or just speaking of Murray, guys, you mentioned to me about their punter entered the portal as well. We know what his stats were. It almost seems like his stats impressed a lot of people of higher levels to go get him. But it's like, yes, go get him as well. Uh, there's just so many. And uh, even Juju Williams from Indiana State, he looks like a freak of nature. You get guys like that in here for the defense and things can change all over the place. But no doubt need to go get a quarterback. We'll talk about all this near the end again about what this team fully needs in the portal. But a lot of interesting ones to initially start off with talking about, yeah, that Chisholm, I fin I, I went to FAU. I saw, uh, and then, oh, we saw others just today. Idaho guys are leaving. Uh, of course, Giovanni McCoy, they're running back. Uh, and then a, a really good DB. And it seems like all those guys are going to Marcus Harris. It seems like a lot of those guys are going to be, Going to higher levels, you know, we joked in the moment, say, oh, Giovanni McCoy can go to a team that he beat. It's almost like, gosh, we wish we would have beat them. Uh, for him to definitely say, yeah, I'm going to go to a team that beat me. Uh, so a lot of those important guys have entered and, of course, so many others around the country. And then just noticing that Illinois State's already hot on the portal as well. They added, um, blanking on his name at the time, but just uh, Kansas State backup quarterback, just getting those, those high-level guys again, like they continue to do, get him in there. And then they had it at Western Michigan tied end in the portal as well. So they're doing good things, getting higher level guys to come here. And we're getting T3 linebackers. So we got to get up with the Illinois States of the world to get these kind of players. You get cast off from those levels, all that stuff. Again, we'll talk about it near the end of what this team needs into the offseason with everything. Um, so now segueing now to the commits. If you have, if you've accumulated over the last little bit and what they have, if not, it's quite all right. If you did have, final stats from the commits and we can update everybody on that. Obviously we know Nate Trons and want to state title. Some other guys got deep, everything we've talked about recently. If you have anything on that. And then I noticed obviously one of our commits uh, officially signed, it was all over his Twitter and his local news was talking about it and where he's going. And then our coaches have been visiting a lot of their homes recently as well over the last couple of days. Yeah. A lot of guys have been getting in-home visits. Good to see guys out on the trail, obviously. Um, but a lot of guys uh, yet to postseason stats. We know we talked about E.T. Harris, um, but still, like I said, we've been following them all season, and it's hard to get some of these guys' stats, so not a lot of luck with that. No, uh, it's just good to see E.T. and all the offensive guys. Antonio James is there visiting E.T., and then, yeah, Jack and Quentin Boak have gotten Dan Clark finding his way to their – to their house as well. And yeah, the stats thing we'll put off to another time. Um, former Salukis real fast. Ryan and Michael faced off again as division opponents. Ryan had four total tackles. Michael had two catches for 15 yards when the Buccaneers beat the Falcons and the Buccaneers are sole spot in that division lead. And then Jeremy and the one and 12 Panthers, he had three tackles in this past game, a big time struggle for the Panthers this past year, as we know. Uh, no, now let's talk about that aforementioned uh, bracket that's still going on and the teams that have built their way to the Final Four. Again, you said it. I didn't say it off the rip of things we would talk about. It just shows you, of course, you know, I, I'll watch these games. I watched a little bit of 
a lot of these games. It just didn't hit me off the rip because we're not in it, of course, anymore. Dive into who won this past weekend and obviously what this Final Four is because it's pretty close to what we predicted. I guess three out of the four is what we predicted. Yeah, I mean, there's some pretty good – I mean, the spread-wise for this first game ends up Albany, South Dakota State. South Dakota State favored by 22-and-a-half this weekend. Um, but starting last Friday night, Furman, Montana, and another overtime game. It was a great game, 35-28 final. It was a really good game. South Dakota State beat Villanova 23-12 in a pretty hard-fought game. Villanova did their best to stay in that. Uh, one we thought would happen, North Dakota State rolls South Dakota. That's what they get for purposely selling all the – tickets immediately to keep North Dakota State fans out of there and it ends up a lot of North Dakota State fans trying to send them and try to make them pay $300 a ticket that's just a BS move and that's what you get for doing that South Dakota then Albany goes on the road and does something we couldn't do and knocks off Idaho so you get Albany at South Dakota State then North Dakota State on the road at Montana favored by one point Furman almost beat Montana on that Friday night game, as you said, that overtime game. A, a huge, huge, uh, you know, game and how it turned out and just a touchdown difference in that overtime of being able to stop them and everything. is It was an incredible game to watch. And then, yeah, Villanova almost – they had their chance. They were up early in the game and there's like saunas on the sidelines for all these players as how cold it was in that game. And then, yeah, we definitely – we predicted this bias and run and that they're – that they're going and they'll get a shot at Montana. And then, yeah, it. I just would have loved to play Albany. They have a great defense, as we said on the last one, and they were able to get the best of Idaho on the road there. So would have loved a chance because it showed that Idaho is pretty beatable. They only lost by eight. But, yeah, some, some good games leading up to this final week. Of the final four, we expect South Dakota State and probably Montana to face off. But, again, don't count out the Bison, who, yes, one-and-a-half-point favorites in South Dakota State. Yeah, 22 is crazy. So, that's how the bracket currently looks. On the in, enter the off season, we'll update to see who has won it all. Uh, some quick housekeeping things around the country that has happened recently, and a crazy turn of events. Just speaking of those those Bison that are on a run, their head coach Matt Entz is apparently taking a kind of assistant defensive job, but he's going to be a linebackers coach at USC. It just makes you think: if he's is he tired of the weather? Is he is he want to go? To California, we know. I mean, no wonder you're not too fond of USC. Just terms of like their trajectory after the season. I have in Caleb Williams, like whether clearly he cares about how the team will be playing. He cares about the paycheck. I'm sure it's nice, you know, whether he gets paid to be a linebackers coach over what he gets as a head coach in North Dakota State. We know the FCS FBS money is can be a crazy difference, but maybe he just doesn't want. I mean, all the success he's had and what he's still bound to have here is just wild expect their players to enter the portal. Apparently he'll still finish the season with them as he should. It's just crazy timing for all that. Someone who works for North Dakota state broke that initially. Uh, and then I saw someone said their AD said they're of course going to be looking for their next head coach immediately. So again, expect their players to enter the portal pretty soon. And then we know Western's not in the conference anymore, but they hired Eastern Illinois offensive coordinator, Joel Davis as their next head coach. So Shout out to them and their new endeavors in the OVC. We'll see how they do. And then we know Austin P and Scotty Waldron left to for UTEP, and they hired a new coach, Jeff Ferris. Which I forgot where he came from, but they hired him as their new head coach. We'll see him at their place next year. So 
Now, with all that said, let's let's talk about this season, of course, and everybody knows a lot of what unfolded this season and everything else. The team had a banquet recently that we'll talk about who won that near the end. We'll talk about uh, or we I we do the senior tweets this past Sunday, got some decent love on those for all 16 guys. Uh, and let's just go bit by bit here. No, I mean, just talk about not going exactly game by game, but it clearly, it, it, you know, you beat Austin P to start the year. They ended up being the team that they were. That was a great win. And you go through some of these others. Clearly the start we had where we were 4-0 was incredible before we lost that stinker to Youngstown State. We had the pleasure to go to almost all these games. Noah, some games even if we had some other things going on would have for sure went to at least two or three more. Uh, but it was a pleasure going to a lot of these, specifically Northern Illinois and SEMO if you were to dive in, Noah, to your favorite game of the year, clearly it seems to be the FBS win. Maybe if you were to in, to disclude that, which game was your favorite this season? And then clearly have a feeling to know what your least favorite game was, was that trip over to Ohio. But your favorite game of this season of the ones that – and our 8-5 and five total season. Yeah, definitely I'd say uh, the trip down to SEMO, just the way we came back and won that football game and being there. And, I mean – bringing back the in a in a in a rival matchup i mean that game just the way it happened is definitely by far my favorite i enjoyed that one a lot more than the niu one because it's just the way it happened in nick's second half is something we never saw from him again no pretty much not i'd say um and that's will be a main thing of this as well the offensive side of the ball but uh, well, the NIU game, because it's like, well, they had an eh season. It's like, but still you're winning that, you know, you're beating the team you did. And obviously it mattered to the, the season about your resume and everything. Those first two games matter most over anything else the rest of the way. And we know feeding uh, for SEMO for sure. I mean, because their, their students were talking, talking smack and everything. We know everything we do before the game. It's a fun SEMO game, but the comeback, no doubt about it was special. Uh but just through the course of the season, just remembering how for a lot of these, you know, we didn't have a lot of our players for some. We didn't have Rowan Deontay in Youngstown. And that was a little bit of the reason as to why we got blown out. And we just know how things go there. But just knowing how the the crux of this season was, we know those those two home games that we should not have lost to the South Dakotas of the world. Like those come back to sting. Those matter. And we remember talking that clearly throughout this and after we got uh, destroyed by North Dakota State that we thought our season was hanging by a thread and then we took care of business on senior day and the rest took care of itself and as we know had the shutout home playoff win which was a special thing doing that for the first time in forever at, in Carbondale and then of course the Idaho game was it was a fun one but it was a heartbreaking one at that everything we talked about last week so again it, overall as a team and record eight and five I mean we both predicted seven and four and obviously you're one and one in the playoffs and ends up going to what it was but you did make the playoffs, you won a game, you had it at home, and you barely lost your next game. That's obviously good momentum going in the next year and overall a good season, even though we know we should have won 10 or more games. We know that for a fact. So that's the main crusp of this as a team, of what we did and did not do. Um, but no, overall, this was a, this was the season of the defense. I mean, that's mainly what this will be about. Uh, clearly – how great they were and how ungreat the, the offense was because if both were complimentary all season, we do win those 10 or more games. That's, that's a fact, but you know, I think this is clearly the best defense under Nick Hill. I mean, this is the only, the only season that rivals this defensively is clearly the 83 season when they did go 
and win it all. Uh, they ended up having better stats than we did, but this season we had so many sacks. We were awesome against the run once again. Um, you know, this was definitely a mantra of defense wins championships, and we had, I feel like at times clearly, and we we joked that we need to trade this defense to someone else that deserves it when we weren't playing well. It's like because if, if a great offensive team had our defense, they would win the championship. Uh, so, again, from a defensive standpoint, uh, you know, what Antonio James did, I mean, even sneak peeking the dog of the season, I'm just going to straight up say it, I think Antonio James was the dog of this season if we were counting coaches as well. What were the favorite things of this defense from this past year, you know, that you loved? I mean, even we had newcomers that all newcomers in the conference that were on this defense. We had all conference players that were on this defense. Again, it was it was an all timer that what they did this season. Your favorite parts of it and who your defensive dog of the season was. Lay those on me. Yeah, I mean, definitely showing the depth this team has built over the last couple of years. Not using the transfer portal, grooming some guys to get ready. Whether that's I mean, if you go back to it, two guys that started on the offensive side of the ball, now Branson defense, Desmond Hearns, those guys like that. But seeing this, the pro, the progress some of these guys have made, I mean, starting with Mark Davis. I mean, he became almost a lockdown corner, big interceptions, PBUs left and right, fumble recovery. I mean, that guy did it all, and the progress of it takes – Okay, he gets here. He came from a Mac school in Buffalo. It takes a couple of years for him. Uh, people look down on him. I mean, we did. We weren't biggest fans of him when he got here because he came in a couple of games for like James or somebody that got hurt and he struggled. But he got his feet under him. And just the transfers on this defense. I mean, Cam Bowdry, Tim Varga, DJ. I mean, a lot of transfers. But we groomed some guys. That have put, the Reeves brothers taking that next step. I mean, just seeing the guys take that next step as a defense and just come together. And they just, the way they play, they fought their asses off every single snap. Uh, and, and you couldn't, I mean, when they got sent out there, you're like, all right, they're just going to get the offense, the ball back. We'll hopefully the offense finally finds a groove. And that was just that kind of year. Exactly. It was a, it was a year to get your groove. It was a year of, of improvement. I'd say everybody who was on this team last year, on the defense last year that was on this year's team, every one of them improved. You said Mark Davis. Yeah, we were not a fan because that's okay when you barely, you know, and he had to play because David Miller didn't have the best year, and that's something also. You saw the greatness of Mark Davis and DJ Johnson, and David Miller was hurt this year. We'll see him next year. Sometimes you forget about that whole thing, and knowing that, you know, you, that's a position we like to add in the portal and everything, but you have David and you have Mark for next year, uh, but just – you know, Luke Martin had a thing that, of course, last season they were on here and they combined for zero interceptions and only eight pass breakups. This season, each of them had three interceptions uh, and then 15 pass breakups between the between the two. Nine for DJ, seven for Mark. We talked about how Mark was a great end zone corner and found a lot of touchback interceptions and everything. Like, the improvement was skyrocketing. You mentioned those other guys. Yeah, Branson. We know about Branson's emergence. Clearly, that's that's led him to where he's going now. But definitely Desmond being still a young guy and his first full season as a safety makes a difference and changes. If we would have had one less loss on our on a or one more loss on our thing, if and we wouldn't have beat Simo clearly if Desmond doesn't make that play. So obviously, everybody specifically has had their own game. I mean, Tim Barga was incredible in NIU. Had a post about him. I mean, he led us in sacks. He led us in sack yards. 
And that's why the portal is so important because you go get these kinds of guys. And I want to say this defense as a whole played up to like, we were ticked off the DJ Boca like left us. We're going to play so hard for Antonio because he's a great guy and he knows what he's doing. We respect him hardcore. And that just, that feeds into it. But I think it's the chemistry too. Cam, who was here already, you had Devin and Tim next to him. Him and Devin were pretty close. Like you build that chemistry that leads to what we saw on the field we were at that scrimmage at the start of the year before the season started, and you could just tell. You could tell in the videos they were posting that this defense was going to be different. We were kind of skittish about the corners, and they just proved us absolutely, you know, wrong at the start because it's like, okay, that's a, that's the thing we got to watch out for is how our pass defense is going to be. And, of course, this unit was a great tackling unit, you know, led by P.J. And then 96 tackles for loss this season for SIU was the most for the program since the 2000 season. PJ had 13, Dune had nine, Zach Barola had eight. And the most in school history was 2000 at 120 tackles for loss. We thought this season had a lot. They were still, still way off in that regard. Obviously we know about PJ and 56 pass breakups for the season this year as well. Third most in program history. Uh, PJ had 11 of those 56, 25 turnovers forced from this defense 12 interceptions, 13 fumbles recovered. Only the ninth time since 1983 where the Dogs have recorded at least 12 or more picks and recovered 12 or more fumbles in the same season. First time doing this since 2008. All these are via Luke Martin for sure. So, again, we – and that was the main, uh, like I said, stuff of what this season was, was how great this defense was. It kept getting games. Antonio James, like I said, dog of the season, did an incredible job. And the Dune Smiths of the world, the PJs, you really can't just single out one person, but the emergence of Dune Smith made it seem like he should be dog of the year on defense, no matter how great PJ was. Again, it's hard to only pick one as we know. So again, you adding guys like Tim Vargo leads your team and sacks and everything else. You know, we saw Lewis, you know, he, he played a pretty good amount. You mentioned the Reeves brothers played great too. Like there's good depth on this team for the future. And you keep guys like Colin Bohannock and, guys like that who bed steve was phenomenal he had 63 tackles on this season three pass defended two picks phenomenal transfer gets from a smaller school like these are the guys that were going to be here for next year so again more of these awards we'll talk about when we talk about the uh the ending banquet for the team at the end of the year no if we were to segue to offense now and i clearly this was a season of of lack of execution, timing of play calls, because we know Nick Hill's got some good stuff in his bag. We know he like you know, he'll we talked about how it is his Super Bowl whenever he plays FBS teams and we see it in that, and that's why we've been able to stay close in those games or win them. Uh, but again, the timing, it's like we weren't a great run play calling team, even we had the, the same offensive line for most of the season. And but when we when we threw the ball, it's like, hey, you're leaving in Nick Baker's hands and he's gonna make a play. And no, that's what it was. But outside of the second half against Simo, uh, you know, for Nick Baker himself, and we'll talk about Nick, and you know, we'll talk we'll talk about his Hall of Fame career near the end as well. But his season as a whole is not the season kind of you wanted to go out with in a way. Uh, but no, overall as a, as an offense, because no matter, I think a lot of this is Roe missed four games, Deontay missed three or four games. That did not help in that stretch, and we played Murray and such, and say, okay, you can beat those teams still, and we did. Uh, but it was injuries to those certain guys. And then what else? Like maybe it was should have been, you know, gave Aiden Quinn more opportunities from just the start of the year because there was, again, a gap stretch where we didn't see him 
for a while. Schwindemann had some whatever issues, you know, uh, hold on to the ball in the end zone. It's red zone. It's like stuff like that. No, what in your eyes, what was a reason why this offense this season did not be what we anticipated? We were anticipating equal because it's like, okay, we know who's coming back on offense complimentary offense and defense, but no defense ran away with it of who was better. Why was the offense bad this season in your eyes? Yeah, it was definitely just consistency would be the big factor there. I mean, I mean, going back, I, you only score, you only score 25.5 points a game. Um, just not going to get it done um, on the offense, especially in the league you play with. I mean, you get a lot of, you get a lot of teams that you're going to play lower score games, but, I mean, last couple of years, you're you're scoring close to 30 points a game, and you only get third down percentage. You go 59 of 169 for the year for 34.9 percent. That's that's just awful, and it's just the the run the run blocking scheme was just not good enough. I mean, that created holes sometimes, but I don't know if it was just I don't I don't think it was a lot of the play calling. I think it was just execution on the line, not because we've seen sometimes guys getting into it with each other to scream and, Hey, that was your assignment. And it ends up obviously a blocking assignment ends your season pretty early. I mean, earlier than it should have. Um, but yeah, just not getting enough. And it shows that, I mean, Isaiah ends up with 706 yards, but it just shows that you don't have that dominant guy that can go for 1000 and just take over a game and, you didn't have that. Deontay wasn't the same. Um, you mentioned eight, and he ends up with almost 350 yards. I mean, he could probably got more targets. Um, but, yeah, just an up-and-down season, not enough from the guys, I mean, from the run game. If if Rowe doesn't miss four games or how many games, I think three games, yeah, I, I think he ends up close to close to probably 800 yards, and he's up there in school history, but him missing is just not the same. Justin Strong was not the same. I think LaShawn Lester got kind of a bad. I mean, he should have got the ball more. He's that kind of back. Benefield was up and down. Didn't wasn't the guy exactly we thought we were getting, but um it just sucks. I mean, that the offense and the offensive minded coach lets you down in the biggest year where you thought you had something you could have done. Yeah, to be honest, I think I mean, Aiden was on pace to do things no SAU tight end has done since Mike Cole, I would say. And he was a mix of both. And he was led to him, obviously, getting a chance at the NFL. But they just went away from it. They kind of went to, like, Aiden's roots of a, you know, it will hit you up the seam at some points, but you're in there to block. And, of course, you know, he would do his best in general. And just thinking about the run that opened up for Romero in the playoff game that Aiden and Ryan filled up and – it was a lot of what the offensive line opened up for some of these running backs to get those big runs against poor teams that we did on the road all the time. But you said it there. I mean, even with Romir missing those amounts of games, he almost had a hundred carries, but, and he still led the team by over 200 yards and definitely was going to have that 800 or so. I mean, he got, I mean, he had six yards of carry this season. I mean, he would have consistently done that. He could have got up to a thousand and, now he's around 20-something hundred, and he's 10th all time. And it's like – and you said at the start of the year, because we were – it's so crazy with the running back position. It's like 
Sean Lester is the future of this place. That's what we thought after his freshman season. We liked what we saw. Though he's RB1 because it's like hey, we know Justin's hurt. Oh, we're adding Jalen Benefield. And then we have Romier. All these guys were hurt or noon. It's like, hey, this is Sean's backfield. I just remember saying that, me at least, tons of times. And then, of course, it's like it's a no-brainer. It's Romier's backfield. And he was phenomenal. We, he had 11 touchdowns this season. I mean, we thought Anthony Woods, who, who like we said, is in the portal now, he had a – he had – up to almost 20 and it's like that was a lot and Romir missed games that he would have had at least close to five up to who knows so it's like Romir it his injuries cost him even greater season going up to all-time ranks and helping this current season because he made the offensive line look better than it was at times and again this offensive line wasn't awful but it wasn't great and they're in the rush rushing and the Nick proceeded to get you know, we got sacked 41 times. I haven't looked to see what that ranks in the country. That is that is top five at least, I would say. And there's obviously some bad teams where they got sacked more. But for a good team, for a playoff team, I'd say that was the most in the country, close to it, of the playoff teams. But um, you're right, we weren't sure about Justin. He had 82 carries this year. He had his moments. He had five touchdowns. and But just everyone else, yeah, right. Benefit was kind of consistent. Maybe he was dealing with an injury. He – we know he was that dual threat that did his thing on both sides, but in terms of rushing the ball, it was Romier's season. And we just remember the all-time high school stats that he had coming out of Indiana. And him and Jeremy, Jeremy took him under his wing when he got here, those Indiana boys, and it just propelled Romier to a you know borderline Hall of Fame career, not thinking he's going to get in just for being 10th all-time and rushing, but just a, a year, a, a career that we'll remember that Romier Elliott had for sure. And then we saw obviously Jimmy Athens at times in the future of what even it'll be for Caleb Wagner. You saw things like that, but it was mainly those four backs and could have done even more, no doubt about it. And then, uh, of course, receiving the ball, as you said, yeah, I mean, Isaiah was ticked and we knew he was out the door anyway, but he himself, he, the drops or the ghost games could add a thousand to have that one thousand rusher, one thousand receiver. It was there for the making. I think if Deontay has a full healthy season, he could have done it too. Because we know Nick missed him on a lot of a lot of throws. So obviously, if we're just picking it apart offensively, a lot of people caught passes this season. Uh, you know, we didn't really expect much of like Kyle Weideman. He was filled in at times or two. We saw Alan Middleton find his way as a freshman and. Schwindeman only had six catches this season, so he was definitely just – the turnovers made it to where they weren't going to throw, use him as much, but he just became a blocker, and you were kind of limited to – and Vincent Davis was phenomenal this year, but you had Isaiah Vincent, uh, corpse of Deontay, of what he usually is, Aiden. And so the weapons – we knew the weapons were there. This protection broke down, but that was because Nick held it too long and everything we already know about for this for this team this season. But – um Again, like I said, it was the t- more of the timing of the play calls because let's say we got – I just think of notably the Idaho game where we had a crazy play. We lost 10 yards on a stupid kind of two-cute play after we just got – we just got a first down and we're running down the field. And it's like the timing of certain things or it's the timing of a of a run play or it's – we there's so many that we could have picked apart this season where, yeah, it's not going to be perfect, but it's why we, uh, you know – we're mad about this season, but it boiled down to Nick Baker missing some throws and a lot of him. And luckily he played good in the Idaho game. Cause again, he didn't really have the season he was expecting to with eight yards of catch or eight yards of throw 17 touchdowns, seven picks. We've seen a lot worse than that, but again, 41 sacks on the season. It was a lot of doing for a lot of other people. Uh, 
but again, yeah, the, we again we saw the emergence of some people that were that are still in this program as far as we know right now to propel us. But again, a, it by far was not a season for the offense because no, if you were to dive into pick me an offensive dog of the year, I think the team awards and everything they of course gave it to Romir. Uh, you know, it, it, no coach is going to win offensive dog of the year, but again, to to put a button and put a bow on the offense as a whole, talking about it from the season, if you were to pick out a bright spot of the team, there are some options. Like I said, Roe is obviously one. If you were to pick one dog of the season on offense for it, who are you picking? Yeah, I definitely think they got a ride. It has to be Roe. I mean, he averaged six, about 64 yards a game. He, 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 I mean, if he, like I said, if he's healthy, this offense is a little more because we talked about, in the beginning or in the preseason that this team has to not only Nick, but has to have a, like a 2021 year type season where you average 30, 30, almost 31 points a game. And I mean, that year Nick threw for 3,300 yards almost. And this year he's 500 less and they ran for 2000. Well, you're only at 1500. So that's 500. That's a thousand less yards. This offense got, we just had to have that this year. And I mean, Nick threw for 10 less touchdowns this year than he did that year. He threw for 27 that year, had 11 picks that year, only threw seven this year. So I think he only threw seven last year as well. So not turning the ball over too much, not forcing it too much, but the offensive weapons. So I'm going to go with Roe as well. Yeah, for sure. Makes sense. And I don't even know, I guess, Initially, like we've talked about Aiden, like the trajectory of him, I would have went with him, but it, it's Roe for sure. He saved us in a lot of games, and he was the most consistent on the offense for sure. I, you you said a lot before the season, and you said it right there. Yeah, we wanted a 2021 season, and we didn't get that. We had the personnel to do it. It was all about, you know, uh, injuries factoring in, but it was, again, the lack of execution of Nick because you're right, 10 less touchdowns. That just shows you. If we had a 2021 offensive season with this pastures defense, I, I truly think that team probably gets to the final four and has a chance for a natty. I mean, that's just crazy. So, again, we, we didn't get that offensively. We got everything we could have wanted from the defense, as we said. So that's the, you know, the gist of it all on both sides, as we know. I mean, there was a stat also just thinking about the defense again where they uh, didn't allow a, a passing touchdown over the last however many games and how many quarters – they, uh, you know, we're just we're doing things we just we're just unheard of, and against bad teams or not, and you get to the playoffs, and we know what we did against Nichols. That was just a kind of a shock, but just everything with that again factoring into then uh, there were no stats for Luke Martin to post about about the offense. He went through a lot of things for the defense. There's, I want to see what the rankings for this past year's offense ranked all time. It's not even close to anything, anything worth posting, which is funny. But that's pretty much it on both sides of the ball this season. Um, no one out before we round this thing out, let's talk about Nick Baker and his career. Obviously he's been here forever. He's again, the stats about the go down that Luke also had of where he ranks all time. I mean, it, it's, it's been the personnel that's been around him. It's how the offense designed around him. It's wide receiver screens. It's yak that a lot of our, the Avantes, the Landon Lenores, the Deontes, the everybody over the years that he's been throwing to, you know, Vincent, of course, is a big part of that. And there's obviously been guys, you know, in years past as well. 
not just those stars. Everybody's caught a lot of passes from Nick, but this is almost like his third full year of starting, and he's been able to break these records. And again, it's it's kind of based off who was around him and how Nick Hill loved him so much that he was going to do everything it took to make him succeed and what clearly a 5'8 quarterback could only do. But Noah, quickly, before I get your overall thoughts, because I know it was a mixed bag with both of us about what we thought about Nick over the years, you're a little bit more critical and rightfully so. I'll hand it over to you in a second. But um, And then Luke had a tweet talking about obviously the go to Nick and his stats-wise of where he obviously where he ended up. First in passing yards, first in touchdown passes, first in completions, first in attempts, fourth in passing percentage. We know that was kind of – that was good for a while because he was connecting and he – you know, I think he broke the record for most completions in a game and 30-something in a game, I want to say, over the last couple of years. So I thought he'd be even higher than that, but maybe this season drowned it out. Fourth in passing percentage, fifth in passing efficiency, and then fourth and lowest interception percentage – as you said there a little bit with the interceptions were the same as last year, but um, he didn't turn it over all that much. It's almost like he accumulated more and more as, because we know he had like what, two or three in the Youngstown game last year that, you know, went to that total and everything else. So again, that's where he ranks as we know all the time. And again, Noah, they kind of, again, if you like a guy and he's got the will to win, and that's the thing in Nick Baker's career, said it on the tweet, there might not be a tougher dude that's walked through there. Clearly there's other positions of guys who, physically just have it more than him but Nick never really dealt with an injury besides like first the first like go around of his career before he was a true starter he never really dealt with anything that he missed time for we know that again he'd get ragdolled around in the backfield and he'd and he'd get right back up and if we were punting or kicking a field goal he'd be right on there to, for the snap I mean there's no denying no and Nick Nick Baker's hard and that's what we you know really enjoyed about him Clearly, there's cons of his career, and even though even though he's at the top of all these categories, that um, you know we were kind of held back in a sense of what he brought us and what we could have been over these three years. No, I mean that's that's not too crazy to say. Obviously, we both agree there. Outside of that 2021 season, it's been kind of average the last two. And again, that's what it that's what you get with a five eight quarterback overall. But no, your overall thoughts in Nick's career, and again, what he should have been more of this year, and what you. I guess what you did like clearly and what you didn't like about Nick Baker's long historic career. Yeah. I mean, even as hard as I was on him, you can't not say the the true underdog story of him with the chip on his shoulder, being undersized and proven so many people wrong. I mean, we talked about it last year uh, with, with Pat Fitzgerald saying that they, they, they thought about it when he was coming out of high school. They just couldn't offer a five eight kid, and there's no telling with this guy's arm talent and his willingness to put his body on the line if he's six foot where he's at because he would have been easily in the the a Mac school in this kind of region. But where he ends up as soon as he gets the offer from Nick Hill, I mean he's here and he it took us a little bit to get this job because two guys were fighting in front of him and he finally gets a chance and gets hurt and he takes over in the season. I mean, he's always going to be, I don't think, I don't think anybody will ever probably touch his stats here. Any of his records, none of that. But in the end, I mean, his deficiencies are the reason you're not still playing this weekend. Yeah. Again, there's always, I mean, that's why, nobody does these short quarterbacks as you said Pat Fitzgerald they would have gave him a chance but they just couldn't it's like yeah it makes sense and 
you know, obviously we know Nick Hill's brother is now the coach there, and there's been some ties to the state of these guys. And it would have made sense to go get his teammates from Rochester, the Cox brothers who were at higher schools before coming here and everything to where that's what you do. But Nick Nick Hill stuck to the Nick Baker. He stuck to him throughout. And, again, you that loyalty is almost unmatched. You know, you get a guy. and In the portal era, it's hard to keep guys. That's why, again, I agree. Nobody will touch his stats. I That, I think, is a surefire thing unless someone just comes here and emerges for three years. But, again, the kind of play style that we have, it's not going to fit as well as it did for Nick. So th- that'll stand for as long as Joel's record stood, at least for, you know, a little over 15 years or so. So I think that's what it'll probably be with his. But um, you're right. I mean, again, I said it like, kind of held us back because we. that's why we had to go get a six-foot center. That's why we had to go get all this other stuff. And when the whole program's on your shoulders – it comes with pressure, but, you know, Nick did so much winning in his career that he dealt, you know, he was able to deal with it, you know, the proper way. And even knowing how, man, that's high school. Like this is like division one FCS football. And it's like, of course it's different. And again, he was injured at the start of his career. We know Stone and Correa Lyles were ahead of him until, until they finally weren't. And that's why Stone ended up leaving. He's had a great media career so far. Uh, and, with what Stone did, and obviously with Nick's first season, we go, we had the comeback against South Dakota State, we get far in the playoffs. Like, there were those moments, and then, of course, over the last two, they're not, you know, so much, it, clearly. But, um, again, it was it was everything you had around him to help him, and for the most part, he made the most of it. It's just he – I'm sure if you asked him, he said, man, I – there's no doubt I could have done more and whether – and everything, and we know he – was really good in the Idaho game running the ball, and he was better at that this season. But just thinking about all the other times where he should have thrown it away and he should have ran more that should have that would have easily helped us in games to win. And those are probably the biggest cons to me because even he could make all the throws, as you said, even with the size that he did. He did have arm talent and everything else. It was just those kinds of little bitty moments where he had to make a decision and not it wasn't decision making to make intercept to throw interceptions. Decision making to, like I said, throw it away or run the ball that he didn't do. And this season was a perfect example of holding on the ball and just taking sacks that killed just drives that led to the offensive season that we had. So again, nobody is adherent to uh, hate. Like we've dealt with that with basketball, and now it's football. It's like everybody deserves their own critical you know talk as fans we have the right to do that and of course we're gonna do that for a guy who's the most important player on the team like it's the the ridiculeness is warranted and everything but also the you know bringing him up and talking the good about him is warranted as well so nick baker will live forever who will have a hall of fame speech one day again nobody will have a bigger heart and that underdog story as you said that it's one of the best stories we can remember for any siu athlete in a long time and again he'll be enshrined in about five years on that wall uh, to remember that so it was it was a special career for Nick Baker and again we're excited to see what's next and who will take that next you know and call triple nowadays it's important to go get your guy and hopefully they can go find that quarterback that can fill in Nick's shoes and do even better things in, in their own way so we're looking forward to that so hell of a career Nick Baker ending it with like if we like we said a hall of fame career uh, so no quickly just touching this stuff up uh well, I guess we'll, we'll dive into. I'll just I'll just read them all. I don't need to get your thoughts on them. I suppose the award winners from this banquet for the football team. Uh, they named their MVP after Tony Blyer. They gave that to PJ, Offensive Player of the Year. Row, Defensive, of course, PJ, Special Teams Player of the Year, Stephen Green. We know he 
he came on a lot near the end of the season. He played really well. Surprised that they would give it to him. I guess that shows you no one stuck out besides him on special teams, which is interesting. Offensive scout player of the year, Jimmy Athens. Good job by him. And uh, defensive scout, Elijah Gunn. Haven't talked about him a whole lot, but if he played an important part this season, good for him. Special team scout of the year is Corey McCaleb. Most improved, Dune Smith. There's no denying that. He was incredible. Uh, the Harry Bobbitt Spirit Award went to C.J. Parsons. We know he never played this past season, interestingly enough, but apparently he served his own role. Uh, toughest Saluki, Zach Barola. That's, of course, with his injury dealt with near the end of the season. Definitely showed that toughness, and he earned that. He deserved that every single year regardless. And the Big Z Award, which I'm sure is the – and that's an interesting one. I'm not sure what that would mean. Of course, that's Zavion, I would think, and it was a tie between Tony Williams and Charles Young. We've talked a lot about Charles recently. So that's interesting about what that would officially mean. And, of course, it you know the senior class had three FCS playoff appearances, all that stuff that's on there as well. So they had a cool banquet, and they posted about it, posted some cool pictures – uh, so that was a good time on the same day we made our tw- our senior tweets, as we said. So uh, Antonio James, he was, like we said, in this visit with on these home visits with everybody. So as it stands now, Antonio isn't going to leave. He's been loyal for this time for this long. He had a season where he deserves to put his name in other hats, but maybe that's not the case. And that's a great sign. But again, he rightfully deserved it. One hundred percent. I'm sure we'll get a Nick, Nick Hill presser at some point about the season. Uh, so Noah, to round this thing out, if we sneak peek to the off season, or I, I want to do that already, but knowing, okay, just putting a bow on the whole season is eight and five and everything else. But no, quickly, before we dive into the off season, what, what portal positions we want, if we were to touch on that, give me your observation of where we stand with Nick Hill at, at right now because we had he signed a five-year extension before last season it was not good this season was better and a lot of what we didn't do right this year to make us win even more games was was the timing of his play calls and everything else I mean it can know the 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 occasional hate for Nick Hill can feed into a lot of different things we know he's not very good at managing a game he of course needs to always improve that we saw moments of that this season the one thing I'll say about Nick Hill before I hand it over to you and get your honest assessment of it, and clearly we had a – it's not like we're saying fire him based off right now just because he he had eight and five season. He should have done more. He should have got deeper. But as long as you make the playoffs, that, of course, helps your standing. And, again, he signed an extension. The one thing I'll say about Nick Hill is he is a great person. He is a great in relationships. He's able to – to the revolving door of coaches, he is able to get them and not miss a beat. That's, you know – they're not going to make an outside move to bring in another DC. He promoted Antonio, but that's something Antonio did great. That's maybe, maybe Antonio in his own doing, but then, you know, bring in Zach Grant, which was great because he knew all the, he knew all the Rochester guys and it was perfect. He, Larry Warner did decent things for the running back room this year, his former teammate, uh, you know, moving around Nate Griffin all over the place with different positions. He's good at, you know, of course, Gary McGraw, who, has been around a lot of different programs, you know, special teams is hard to perfect at this level. And there were some of, of course, things we didn't like, but just all those other coaches, whether it's keeping Blake rolling around, giving him offensive duties. I mean, but he's able to replace coaches and be equally as good or better potentially every single time someone leaves. But again, the, the person that he is, the relationships that he makes, everybody talks high on him. Recruits love the homeiness that he has. He has him at he has players at his house. Again, you know, I think in that aspect, he's a perfect recruiting person. He can do really well with people that makes people like him to where he can build up his own 
his own persona, but so I'll segue it over to you and then you can dive into positions in the portal. We would like to see so far of, of things this team needs for next season. We'll sneak peek that, but go ahead and give me your overall thoughts on Nick Hill, where it stands right now, going into what, I mean, this will be his eighth, ninth season coming up clearly. So your overall thoughts on Nick Hill. Yeah, he's obviously the man for the job. Nobody's questioning that, but uh, I do question the play calling and, do not question his ability to, to put together a staff because it, it, we keep losing people and he just keeps finding. I just maybe think, I mean, if you look at the rest of the staff, uh, a lot of younger guys, and maybe that's where Blake Rowan needs to make a change. Blake Rowan's kind of an older guy, especially on this staff. And whether that's him, I mean, offensive quality control guy, Ryan McVicker's a younger guy. So maybe you go younger at that OC position guy, because Nick Hill said he was questioning, I think it was the second or third last game of the year, said on the radio that he gave up play calling and it, it didn't get any better. So, like, I think that's – I think that would be my first change if I was Nick Hill. Um, but nobody's questioning. I mean, the leader he is and the way he is in the community, obviously being born here and stuff like that and playing here, he's the perfect guy for the job. And you're not going to find a better – guy for this job at the moment so definitely think he's maybe needs to think about that I'm not sure but just looking at portal something you I mean right away for me something we didn't talk about stats overall stats is your special teams I mean the overall your two kickers were nine of 16 from field goals this year for 56 percent that's pitiful you didn't give any other – I mean, you had two other guys on the roster could have kicked. Maybe Chase Reeves or Ethan Eddins could have done – I mean, Bumgart was three of eight, but he kept winning the job in practice. I mean, I don't care how many times you win the job in practice. you got to find somebody else. I mean, three of eight for 37.5%. I mean, and you're sending them out there to try to tie a football game or win a football game just awful. Then punting Torney, I mean, he got better this year, 39 average but there's definitely guys in the portal you can go replace there then other than that obviously quarterback talked about that that's a position I think you need to bring in somebody to compete just not let two guys that's already on the roster go for it and bring it in true two true freshmen to see what they can do other than that I mean a lot of guys I mean already filled a linebacker spot there's all, always depth pieces but I think you need to go find Losing a lot on the D-line, you need to go find potential guys that can start right out of the way, obviously guys that take that next step on the team, but depth pieces there, and always DB. You can never have too many DBs on this team. But a, a thing I would love to find on this team, I thought we did it last year with two guys and Vincent Davis and Jalen Reed, but a return guy that can help this team in other positions. I mean, punt returns last year, Jalen Reed had eight of them. 59 total yards, that's 7.3 per return, had a long of 40. Isaiah had eight returns for six yards. That's 0.75 a return. He was just back there, then barely saw Dayton Mitchell. Nobody else got a shot. So, I mean, 20 returns for 71 yards and 3.5 return, punt returns. That's awful. Your opponents had 19 returns for 175. That's nine, and they had a touchdown, a long of 86 for a touchdown to tie the game in the playoffs. Then kick returns. thought Vincent done a decent job. He got about 21 per. Didn't have a – had a long of 38. Like to see more there. But Jimmy Athens was just back there. 
to really, I mean, just in case. Yeah, I couldn't agree more that you need to go get like I'm just tired of having and again you want to you want to trust in the moments, but you can't have your best players out there. Like it's important to go or unless because we've said before all these young guys are on the team, sure you're not gonna throw a redshirt freshman out there or anything like that. Charles Young, track athlete and was a great kicker turner. Maybe that's his role moving forward. But yeah, you can't have guys back there just to do the job. We saw that or just to catch the ball and not do anything with it. We saw that with Javon for so long. I mean, Isaiah was a was awful back there. You just said it. He almost had, he didn't even have one per thing. It's like, and then Jaden, we thought was going to have a that's a miss on our part. Tom, just because we saw him at the practice, it's like, okay, he's back there. He's quick coming from Western. It's like, okay, I think that forty you're talking about was the run against Western that he had and punt or kick return. So it's like, yeah, I mean, they didn't. It, I don't know. You don't put Jimmy Athens back there either for whatever. And you said Dayton Mitchell. That's something. He he got hurt in SEMO, and we never saw him again this season. I mean, think not saying that he would have just done incredible. He wouldn't have fumbled. I mean, luckily we didn't have any or didn't at all. But if we had Dayton Mitchell, perhaps things could be a little better. And he's not like as quick as Vincent and Jaden or Isaiah. So it's like, okay, he just would have played a Javon role back there. But definitely go get a special teamer that's, can do those kind of things and I don't know, a hundred percent. And for sure, punter and kicker, we are looking to do another smaller school uh, guy in the portal that we'll keep an eye out for him. He was going to visit at some point. We haven't seen anything posted yet, but and they know they have to address it. And Tony did improve, but he had no choice but to improve. And I guess that's one thing about Nick Hill is he's, I'm not going to say full-on blind loyalty, but he's almost too low to guys. It's like, man, make the change at punter if it's bad. Make the change at kicker. And you had two and you weren't comfortable with either. And then, of course, we know, like I said, the loyalty to Nick Baker. Yeah, sometimes he can be a little too loyal. I think that's a con of Nick Hill as well. But no doubt he's the guy for the job. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we're in on some running backs too, interestingly enough. I mean, all we have for right now, besides the freshmen from this past season, is Jalen and LaShawn, who are – uh, eligible, you know, moving forward that are on the team. So it's like you run on Purdue running back, run on a lot of different other running backs. You need to go get maybe a veteran there. Clearly quarterback, we do like DJ Williams. You go just, you know, knock on the door to a lot of a, a lot of those guys. And you said it, veteran defensive line help. That's what we've been doing in the portal since it's been a thing over the last three years. And we've been pretty dang successful at it. Either it's defensive line or linebacker. But again, yeah, we already dressed linebacker, still looking to maybe – Definitely defensive line and edge. I mean, you have Dewey and Lewis, and sure, you want to expect those guys can improve even more, but you get Jamon Mathis and Amir Dwight, but you need to go get veterans for that spot. It worked out this year, and you're looking pretty thin in a lot of those other spots in that regard. And then I said veteran corner on here. We know Mark Davis. We know uh, Jameer Khan's got a bright future at corner. He could be a starter next year. We know we get David Miller back. I don't know what we can expect from him this season but or next season coming off that injury. So there's a lot of different things and the team knows what they need to go out and after it'll be a fun off season to talk about that. And one thing I forgot to mention about this was we, we already talked about all, all of them for the most part, but this transfer class by far beats anything we've had. I mean, the 2021 class of Kevin Glacians and all them, they were, they were awesome that season last year. We know about all the guys that were good, but this wasn't even close. You added a guy who led the team in sacks you add all the defensive players that you did and Vincent Davis, who was honorable mention, all conference and all that stuff. So this portal class reigns supreme over the others. And that's not to mention, of course, we didn't have the no offenses of the world, the Marcelo Mendiola, Jake Perella was hurt. 
But that also is something. If we had Noah Finsky for this season, who knows what could happen. And he's a left tackle. He's good. He helps in protection. Nick probably has close to 10 less sacks. Jake Green was pretty solid this year overall. Uh, but then Marcella moves people. It's like maybe you missed out not having those guys. We know James Caesar was there to the start of the year. He didn't play and didn't get his waiver either. That could have mattered. It could have helped the defense even more. So those injuries, let alone the guys who weren't eligible this year, factored in as well, I, I think. But, again, this portal class is better than anything we've had. It, it'll be tough in the long run to match what this defense was and what this this portal class was. You know, you're always looking to improve, but we will never see a defense like this again. And, again, that's what this season was all about, was how great – this defense was and what the offense didn't do. So again, hope, hopefully everybody enjoyed this 2023 season with us. Again, it led to a, a playoff appearance, a shutout playoff win, and then a close playoff loss, but we know we should have won and factors in exactly what you were saying there and what we said the whole time with special teams and not, and it, what, the kick was there. We said that to Jake on his senior tweet, you did your part, man, but it was the, the lack of blocking. So again, we're going to see more people enter the portal not going to sit here and say there's guys we want to see enter, but it's interesting to see what the roles could be moving forward. It's like, well, some guys probably should, but we know some guys who are already transferred in don't want to do it a second time. So all that stuff fed into the pros and cons of this 2023 season. No, I know we've, we've gone a little longer, but I just want to give it, I don't have you have a final word as well. Your overall final thoughts on this 2023 season. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was what we thought it was. It what we expected, what we previewed, what we what we said it was going to be, nothing more. And it sucks seeing some of these guys go, and now you lose a guy to the portal. One thing I find – didn't mention so far. One thing I find so far about this portal entries or portal lookouts offers right now is offering – I know you always got to add, but you're offering some pretty hefty offense alignment. I mean – getting a guy from Cincinnati or going after those power five guys. I know you had a coastal Carolina earlier this, this off season. I know we guys per Nick Hill preseason, all guys said eligible and they weren't in those senior videos. I wonder if exactly who stays or exactly what happens. Cause not everybody's going to be able to play, but if you're going to get a, a six, nine guy from Cincinnati or the coastal Carolina guard, I think they come in here and probably, start with those two guys you didn't have this year so um definitely interesting to see exactly what happens there and a lot of this offseason obviously unless we have something else happen our next podcast will probably be a signing an early signing day period one see what transfers and hopefully all these freshmen sign because i'm still praying there's no flip watches yeah and we know the, the coaches were making the trips through Kentucky here, and there's one notable Kentucky player we haven't seen yet that they visited. Perhaps he will post about it, and that's one Lucas McDaniels and all these guys. And we know those are the kind of guys we've said that you can't flip. And I, I think it's a, I think it's think it could be inevitable. I don't want to say it's going to happen, but it seems like there is maybe one a year. We know Connor Lair, and then this past year with – oh, boy, he went to Troy. So it's like, okay, it's it could happen, and we, it very well could. So – We'll definitely keep an eye on that. We will for sure have one of those like recruiting slash signing day episodes for sure because we'll be racking up transfers here in no time. And then I'll, with those signings, like we said, I want to say Jack Lindsay already did. So there's some others that are going to fill out for that. But um, again, yeah, we, we kind of did predict everything, not only just record for regular season. We predicted a lot what this season was had. And there definitely had some surprises in it, but it will no doubt be a, 
a season that we'll remember because again, you make the playoffs and you win and you show some fight and you didn't lay down to a top four seed and all that stuff to where it, there's signs of momentum that we thought we carried over after the 2021 season that we didn't have last year. It's like, you need to clearly carry that over because it helps in the portal. It helps in everything. We always continuously talk about it helps also potentially having a PJ Jules get drafted and have these ops. So everything that feeds into a lower level football program that's, is that trajectory that you need to continue to have. And we're hoping it can continue after this eight and five 2023 season that again, had its roller coasters, but again, it's one we will never forget. And we'll never forget a lot of these seniors as well, but we'll fully focus to the off season. Now that's the content you guys will be hearing from us the rest of the way here, leading up to spring with everything we just said there. And of course, portals hot and going, if there's really portal uh, gets that we like, we might, come with an episode for you. We know we kind of take a month or two in between, might not with the recruiting, but it is kind of, so you guys will catch us whenever we'll have a post and we'll blindside you with it, but keep an eye out for those specific dates, of course, when you could potentially see it. So for Nick Malone, Olerch. as always, we'll see you guys in this off season. What a 2023 year it was. Go dogs.